Ten. Okay, next one. Daniel 9, the overview of the time of the end and the final beast. Okay, now, this is a, go to the next, the next one. This is a key scripture to understand the end times. If you don't get Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, that has more to do with what is behind us than what is in front of us. This right here has everything to do with what's next. Okay, so let's look at Gabriel once again. We talked about Gabriel last time. And he comes to Daniel. There's a picture of an angel talking to someone in bed. That's what was happening in this. Okay, I think that's a female angel, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, Gabriel, Gabriel was speaking to Daniel as he was asleep. I find it very. May I point out that I find it very amusing how like they they try to make it seem like the angel's entrance is very gorgeous, where it's very obvious that she just burst through that wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, she just flies really fast. Okay. The time at the end. Okay. This again is a vision about the time of the end. Don't forget, it's a vision about the time of the end. Now, verses one through go back, go back. We're going to stand that for a minute. Verses one through nineteen is Daniel is studying the book of Isaiah. Well, that's kind of exciting, isn't it? Daniel is studying the same book that we have. He was studying the book of Isaiah, and he saw in the book of Isaiah that there was a promise given to Israel that they would only be in captivity for 70 years. When he sees that, he realizes that he is only two years from the deliverance of Israel out of captivity. And so he begins to pray the promises of God. Here's something that I want, to, I want us to see. Prophecy that, are, that is given to us is given to us for two reasons. Number one, it's kind of guidance and direction. But number two, it is an invitation from God to enter into intercession about this thing that God wants to do. This is so massively important that we understand that God does not do anything without the cooperation of his people. How many times have we talked about this in, in, in our times together? God does not act without the cooperation of his people, and that includes the fulfilling of end-time prophecy. Sorry, hold on. So if nobody prayed, it wouldn't happen? Is that what you're saying? Yes. God would not do it without, without his people. And as we get into the book of Revelation, just a minute, as we get into the book of Revelation, we will see the church pray and things poured out. The church pray and things poured out. Human uh, intercession releasing the judgment of God on the earth. Go ahead. What does it say about revealing that? Is the church going to pray in the Antichrist? Yes. I've been praying for the breaking of the, of the first seal now for a couple years. Lord Jesus, take up the scroll and open the seals. It's time for seal number one. Does the first seal break before the building of the temple? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We're going to find out. Okay, so Gabriel shows up and he says, this is about the time of the end. That's what he says to him again. So we are already, we are all the way up to 
verse 24 through 27. Okay? Understand, this is what, what Daniel has been praying for. We're still, we're still on this side, so we're good. What Daniel has been praying for is understanding of how God's promise was going to be fulfilled. And he's been asking God to fulfill his promise. He's reminding the Lord to fulfill the promise that he made through the prophet Isaiah that, that Israel will be released from captivity. Now watch this. Daniel is praying about the release of the captives from Babylon. And he is, he is repenting over the sins of Israel. He's asking for God to fulfill his promise. He's asking for understanding of the prophetic word through Isaiah. And out of that prayer comes revelation, not just that he was searching for, but revelation that goes all the way till the end of time. That much revelation was birthed out of Daniel pressing in with faith into this one single promise of God's. God, God says, a person with faith, and he pours out his heart to Daniel. This is what I'm going to do. This is how God always works. Understand this is how God works. When he sees a person with faith, he explodes towards them and gives them far more than they ever asked for. Over and over again, this happens in scripture with Abraham in Genesis 15. God, uh, Abraham is meditating on the promises of God. He is asking God, how, how are you going to give this land to my family when I don't have any kids? And he believes God and it is, and it is, uh, it is accounted to him as righteousness. And then God shows him a, a vision of the captivity in Egypt and of the coming Messiah. Now, was he asking about the captivity in Egypt or the coming Messiah? No, he wasn't asking about either one of those things. But because faith was in his heart, God exploded revelation into Abraham's heart of what was going to come in the future of his family. Okay, David, same thing. First Chronicles 17, he wanted to build the temple. God said no, but then he gave the promise of Messiah and the Davidic covenant was born. David saying, God, I know you want a home. I know your heart. I love your heart. I believe in this promise that you're going to live amongst your people. This is a promise God had given over and over again to the people of Israel. You will be my people and I will be your God and I will tabernacle among you. Okay. David says, I want that to happen. I want, I want a permanent place in the midst of our kingdom where God is worshiped at all times. God says, David, I can't let you do that because you're a man of blood. But I promise you that because you cared about my house, one of your children will sit on the throne of Israel forever. We get to prophesy to him about the new covenant and about Jesus Christ himself. And David had uh, unbelievable uh, revelation of those things that wouldn't happen for another thousand years after him. We, I, I want to be a man who is pressing into God for revelation of who he is and what he wants. I want to be a man who has faith in, in his heart so that God can pour out his spirit on me in such a way that I can see far more than I would ever know to ask. Follow? That's where Daniel is. Verse 24, seven. Okay, let's go to the next one. He says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. This word week, that word just means, it's just the word seven. Okay, and he says, 70 sevens have been decreed for your people and your holy city. Okay, now they use this word seven, okay, or that, that's been translated here, weeks. But they use this word seven like we would use the word decade. 
Okay? They didn't have 10-year cycles. They thought in seven-year cycles because the seventh year was the Sabbath year when you weren't supposed to plant crops. Okay? So they thought in, in cycles of seven years. And, and this is how this word is being used for, uh, with Daniel at this time. It just means seven. It's referring to seven years. So uh, also that doesn't necessarily mean 70 consecutive groups of seven. Okay, that's 490 years, 7 times 7 is 490. So it doesn't necessarily mean 70 consecutive years of 7. The Bible does this all the time, where God will, God will say, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. And there'll be hundreds of years in between the sentences, but they all happen. It's just there's these big gaps in between. And, and when, it, when you read the prophecy, you think, oh, that's all going to happen at once. no. It, not necessarily. God said it was all going to happen. He didn't say it was all going to happen at once. God lives outside of time. A day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He's not, you know, the timing thing, we don't necessarily get that grid very well when we're talking to God because it's really hard to see. Uh, the way that my Bible school teachers used to talk about it was when you see a range of mountains, you see the whole mountain range. But the truth is that between the point that's closest to you and the point that's farthest away, there may be 40, 50, 60 miles in between those points. They all look like one mountain range to you, but if you were flying over them, you'd go, oh boy, those two mountains aren't close to each other at all. But standing over here, I look and I see, and they look like they're right next to each other, but they're really not. Um, God gives us revelation. He doesn't necessarily give us revelation on how things are going to unfold exactly, but everything he does say to us is true. Is everybody following me? Okay. Um, this is the divine Jerusalem calendar that God is setting out. And it's not just, well, well, we'll get to that. It's the divine Jerusalem calendar, your people and your holy city. That's the Israeli people and the city of Jerusalem. So please understand this vision has to do with Israel, specifically Jerusalem, your holy city, your people, your holy city. This is about Israel and Jerusalem. There's a lot of things that are not mentioned in this prophecy because Gabriel is zoomed in on Israel and Jerusalem. Okay, so get it. It does not give us a good overview of God's timing and plan as regard. I mean, it does gives a, give us a good overview of God's timing and plan as regards to the end times. So if he's going to give us milestones of all that have to do with Israel and Jerusalem. But there are things that we will be able to look at and pay attention to and see happen as they happen uh, as the end times continues forward. And then he gives us six promises for Israel and Jerusalem. Six things that are going to be accomplished. Here they are. Six things that are going to be accomplished within those 70 weeks, those 77s, okay, to finish the transgression. Uh, that possibly just means Israel, Israel's transgression as a people. They've rejected the, the Messiah. They've walked away from God. It may possibly mean all transgression will be finished because both will take place in the midst of this plan of God. So it could mean both. Transgression will be brought to an end. That is, sin is going to be over. Are you guys excited about that at all? Sin will be over forever. Can you imagine what it will be like to live in a world with zero sin? None. Oh my gosh. To make an end of sin is the second one. To finish the rule of sin. 
to destroy the work of sin. Sin has been the most destructive thing since the beginning of the universe. It will end it. Sin and all that it will do to the world will be finished and over. Its power will be in an end forever. No one will be in the sway of sin any longer by the time of the end of this plan, this 70 weeks. Number three, to make atonement for iniquity. That is to plea, to appease the wrath of God. God hates sin and he's angry at the human race because of our sin. Atonement appeases his wrath. That has already happened on the cross of Jesus Christ, but it happens in the midst of these 70, 70 weeks. To make peace where there is offense. That's what atonement means. Number four, to bring everlasting righteousness. He's releasing the wisdom of God. He's bringing in God's ways to the earth. And he's, he's not just ending what's wrong. He's beginning what's right. Okay, we think about the, you know, we even called this the end of the world. It is the end of the world as we know it. Excuse me. But, <laughs> but it's not the end of the world the real world, the true world, the world we've always longed for, the world that Jesus created in the first place is beginning. Okay, the world we live in now is weak and empty and broken and sin has destroyed it, ravaged it. You just can't get over me spitting all over my computer, can you? <laughs> but God's bringing in everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy, his whole plan will be brought to an end. God's whole plan will be wrapped up in these 70 weeks. The drama of human history will be finally unfolded, and the groaning of creation will be answered. We talked about that. And to anoint the most holy place. The dwelling of God will be with man, and his promise to make Jerusalem the place where his name dwells will be fulfilled ultimately and forever. These are the six promises God has made to us that during this plan of 70 weeks will be accomplished. And I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Verse 25. So let's talk about the 70 weeks. Go ahead to the next thing. You are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince... Seven weeks and 62 weeks, it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Okay, so we know the starting point of the 70 weeks. Go ahead. It's 445 BC. Artaxerxes made a decree giving Nehemiah permission, safe passage and supplies to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls in 445 BC. This is when the, the 70 weeks begins. Boom. Now the plan to, all, to do all those six things that he had listed there begins on this day. 445 B.C. Artaxerxes, or Ahasuerus, depending on how you pronounce it. This is the king right here that Esther was married to. He's a Persian king. And he made a decree giving Nehemiah permission to go. Yeah, next. That's... Number one. So following from that, that's week one through week 69 of Daniel. It's almost all of it. Okay. We go from there. There's seven weeks and 62 weeks. Here, go back one. It's seven weeks and 62 weeks, right? That's 69. Seven plus 62 is 69. 
Why did Jesus do it that way? I don't know why he said it that way. Don't ask me. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? But that's what happened. This is the beginning point. Within the first 69 weeks, Jerusalem will rebuild. It will have a <laughs> plaza and a moat. It will undergo times of distress. And, and there, there are four possible times, but the, one, the only one that really makes a whole lot of sense is the one in 445 BC. Some say the 483 years were completed at the triumphal entry of Jesus. If you dated at 32 AD, Sir Robert Anderson's significant work, The Coming Prince, followed his argument in great detail. Check this out. Anderson, using a 360-day year, which when, 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 uh, when uh, Daniel was around, the year lasted 360 days. That's just, that's how they measured the year, which is close, but it's not, you know, obviously we know it's 365 and one fourth days. But anyway, um, go, go to the next thing. Okay. Using a 360 day year, which Israel used in Daniel's day, calculated that 173,880 days from the decree to the triumphal entry, fulfilling the prophecy to the day. Check this out. Okay. We know the exact day that, that, uh, Artaxerxes gave the decree because I told you they kept really, really great records. Okay, then we can count 173,880 days, and it is Passover in Jerusalem in 32 AD. What did he say? 662 and 7 till the coming of Prince Messiah. Daniel predicted the coming of Jesus to the day. To the day. Go to the next slide. To the day. Oh, you can't read it, but the angel Gabriel predicted Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem to the day. What? It's like bouncing oh. around. That's weird. 500 years before it happened. If that addiction was accurate, buckle your seatbelt, my friends, because here we go. Okay. <laughs> to the day. He predicted it to the day. Yeah, go ahead and go to the next one. I, that is just unbelievable to me. Here we are, 32 AD. Go ahead and click to the next one. Okay. Know therefore and understand the coming of the, uh, going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem, the coming of the anointed one, the anointed one, a prince. In some, um, this word anointed one is Greek, the Christ. Wow. They're the same word. Okay. To the coming of the Christ, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, then 62 weeks. And he says it will be, Jerusalem will be rebuilt with squares and a moat. It'll go through troubled times, and after 62 weeks, an anointed one, the Christ, shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Jesus came, and he died in 32 AD. And it was predicted to the day by the ancient Gabriel to Daniel. Is that unbelievable or what? So Jesus knew. Jesus knew. Jesus, you could have done the math. You could have done the math if you had been living in the time of Jesus, you could have done the math and counted up the 100,073, 100, you know, 173,880 days. You could have done the math and been standing there and said, hey, when somebody comes walking through here on the, on the, on the coal, the foal of a donkey, uh, colt, the foal of a donkey, uh, it will be the Messiah because today's the day. Now you had the priests coming down and say, Jesus, you got to quiet down your disciples. But God had told them 400 years in the past Jesus is going to come on this day. He gave him the calendar day. Just count 173,880 days from this day to this day. Jesus will be there. He will walk into Jerusalem on that day. They could have stood there and waited for him. Is that unbelievable or what? 
I'm just, I am so blown away by this reality. He comes into the city and then he's crucified. It says he will be cut off and have nothing. Okay. When that happens, okay. Uh, let's go to the next one. I don't know what to, okay, 70 AD. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come, thats remember that's Rome. It's always connected with the Antichrist. The prince who is to come, Daniel knows who Gabriel's talking about. He, he has watched the mystery unfold in his visions previous. So he knows who the prince who is to come is. The people of the prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. So in 70 AD, go ahead and go to the next sign. In 70 AD, the city of Jerusalem and the temple were utterly destroyed by Rome. With a flood means a great army. And that was true. Jesus prophesied this destruction in Matthew chapter 24. Israel ceases to be a nation. The Jewish people are scattered all over the world after this moment in history. Okay. And he and it says, even to the end there will be a war. Desolations are determined. Many wars and many desolations have passed over Jerusalem since then, and more are coming. More are coming. Okay. Now we are putting now we are pressing a big pause button. Okay. At Jesus' death, we press a gigantic pause button. Boom. Okay, and he says, all this stuff's going to happen. Even to the end, there'll be war and what, whatever. Okay, big, gigantic pause button. Go ahead on the next slide there. Okay. Now, we are in the, this is where we're at. Right here. This is where we are. Right now. The 70 weeks are on pause. The first 69 weeks have already taken place. Those things that were prophesied by Gabriel to Daniel have already taken place the first 69 weeks, weeks 1 through 69. 70th week has yet to come. The Bible tells us exactly how the 70th week begins. That's the very next verse. But there, we did not know, Daniel did not know, nobody knew that there was going to be this big 2,000-year pause of the 70 weeks. But it has been. Because the things that Gabriel tells him about in the 70th week, they haven't happened yet. They have yet to happen. Okay? Everything else that he said would happen, happened. Just as was prophesied. And now we're in this big time, we're in this big pause. There's nothing happening right now. The next thing on the list is, is coming soon, but it hasn't happened yet. We, we are in what some, some theologians call the church age. Some theologians call, they call it the pause on the time <coughs> clock or the age of the Gentiles, the waiting period. We are in this time of grace where God is allowing the gospel of the kingdom to go forward. And Jesus said, when we get to Matthew 24, we will read about this. Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations for a witness then the end shall come. And that's what we're waiting on right now. Okay? God is waiting for the gospel to go forth in its fullness. Once that happens, the end will come. Go ahead and go to the next slide. All right. The treaty with many. Daniel chapter 9, verses 27. This is very, very important, guys. Very, very important indeed. Because this is what will start the clock running again. 
When this happens, this, we've got seven years till the coming of Jesus. Just hit the button. We have seven years. Okay? Daniel 9.27. And he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. Pay attention. He's talking about weeks again. Everything else that was going to happen has already happened. This is the next thing. This is the next thing on the list. Okay? And it's very important that we understand. When this <coughs> takes place, some people call this the treaty with death. When this takes place, buckle your seatbelt. we got seven years left. Now, many people, including most of the staff of this church, believe that before this happens, the rapture of the church will take place. Okay? I don't agree with them. And I'm going to tell you why as we continue to move through. Okay? But if you're a pre-tribulation rapture person, you won't see this happen. You're gone. And then this will take place. In the Left Behind books, it is the rapture of the church which sets up the situation for this to take place. The rapture of the church, the way that they tell it, will be a, can you imagine, um, several hundred million people disappearing off the face of the earth and every child disappearing off the face of the earth all in, in, a, in the flash and twinkling of an eye. What would happen to the world? I mean, it would be this, the biggest crisis in the history of the world, no question. And that will cause, you know, the, 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 that will stir up the world and they'll think, we need a leader to help us through this time. And that's when the treaty with many will take place. Okay, that's, that's how a pre-tribulation rapture person would view this. I don't agree. I think there's going to be other things that take place that will bring us to the place of the treaty with many. Okay, so it's the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. Some say it has more to do with Israel uh, than, I don't know what I've met with that sentence, okay? <laughs> I say it's the next event on the list of Daniel 9, okay? I think that's right. The Antichrist will confirm a treaty with many. The treaty will include Israel, probably be about peace in the Middle East. Most likely, this will be when the rebuilding of the temple begins, Okay, and the Antichrist may not be the writer, but he will be a signer. It says he will confirm a treaty with many, which means he may not be the originator of the treaty, but he will be a part of the treaty. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. Right now in Israel, the third most holy spot of the Islamic faith is the Dome of the Rock, which sits on top of Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Okay. It sits right over where most scholars believe the temple belongs. Okay? It sits right on top of it. Can you imagine? A great war takes place. There's a whole lot of, uh, of upheaval and, and <laughs> battle. You know, all of the people that hate Israel, which is most of the world, 
are coming to attack Israel. And Israel's fighting back. And it's this huge, we're, we're going to be thrown into World War III. It's unbelievable. And all of a sudden, a man stands up in the midst of it and says, guys, we can figure this out. And he negotiates a deal between Israel and these other people for seven years of peace. And as a part of the part of the treaty, he negotiates that the Jews be allowed to build their temple either alongside the Dome of the Rock or like somehow that we figure it out so that those two things are together. Can you imagine the postcards and the t-shirts that will happen? The, the Dome of the Rock and the temple sitting next to each other. Peace in our time. Do you believe it? It's impossible. The world will worship this man. Yes. So that's the third most holy spot for the Muslims. It is. What are the other Mecca, things? Medina, Jerusalem. Yeah, I don't know. Mecca is the first one. Mecca is where uh, uh, Muhammad was born. Medina is where Israel, uh, Islam really became a mature as a as a uh, religion. And and Jerusalem they say, is where he went up into heaven. He had this vision where he went up into heaven, and then he came back down. Truth is that the Quran doesn't say where he went to heaven. It just says that he went to heaven, and they have declared that that's where he went to heaven. But we don't know. He didn't go to heaven, obviously, but you would, you know, they don't, the, the Quran doesn't say where. They've just said that's Jerusalem. So... Can you imagine what would happen in the world if what looks like is about to be world war is preempted by a charismatic leader who steps into the middle of it all and gets these people who have hated each other for thousands of years to sit down at the same table and agree? And then the symbol of their agreement is that both of these religions sit next to each other on the dome uh, on, on top of Mount Moriah. You see, there are people, when Ezekiel saw the end time temple, he saw that the outer court of the temple would be given to the Gentiles to, uh, during that time. Okay, And there are many people who believe that the temple wasn't built where the Dome of the Rock is sitting now. It was that that was just actually where the outer court was. And the actual Holy of Holies was, about, was a few hundred yards the other direction. And there isn't anything there right now. What, that they were both built together? No, the, the, they were built next to each other, but, and, and the, they found the original area of the yeah. temple, and it was actually right next to where the right. temple rocks at, and that's where the Holy Holies was actually So they were allowed to build the temple. Yes. It's kind of like the same thing with a leader. That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine? What would the world do for that man? What would they do? Anything and everything. And that's... That's what the Treaty of Many will be. Go ahead and go to the next one. I don't want to know this, but... Okay, no, go back. Uh, we will talk about it in a second. Okay. All right. How, how impossible is it that the Jewish temple could be built again in the place of the Dome of the Rock, but we know there is a temple again because of the next verse? Much of Israel will think Antichrist is the Messiah. That's so scary. There's a lot of reason to believe that Christ might be a Jew. We'll get there. Nope, it's not. Okay. Since 
70 AD, Israel ceased to exist as a nation. Many Bible scholars tried to find other ways to interpret verses like this one. Okay? Only since 1948 has Israel been a nation again. Only since 1967 has Jerusalem been a part of the nation of Israel. You just watch. Okay, the next half of the verse. You can go to the next verse. In the middle of the week, he will put a stop to a sacrifice and grain offering. Three and a half years after the treaty is made, the Antichrist will stop the sacrifices in the rebuilt temple. When you take three and a half years away from seven years, how many years are left? Huh, a time times and half a time. He will put a stop to the sacrifices. It says there will be abominations. Okay, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says he will sit as God in the temple of God. Revelation 13, he will set up an image and give it breath and demand worship. And the mark of the beast and the number of his name will be put on his worshipers. We're going to talk about that a lot more later. But these two things right here. This is called the abomination of desolation. Daniel's the one who gave us that name. It's the abomination which brings desolation. Abomination means something that is so backward, so horrible, so unbelievable that we don't have a bad enough word to say it, so we call it abomination. That's what abomination is. Okay? And desolation means total, complete, and utter destruction. So this is the abomination which causes desolation. It is a huge part of understanding uh, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and Thessalonians and Matthew, okay? Matthew 24 and Mark 13, Jesus warns that people should flee when they see the abomination which causes desolation. The great tribulation begins at the moment of the abomination which causes desolation, Daniel 12, 1, the time of distress. It's the great tribulation. Antiochus fulfilled this in part, but Jesus' mention of it means Antichrist will do it again. Okay, Antiochus did set up a shrine to Zeus in the temple and sacrifice the pig on the altar of the temple. And there will probably be something very close to that, that he does, except he's going to take it one uh, thing further. He's going to set up an image of himself. He's going to give it demonic power to breathe and speak. Okay, and anyone that doesn't worship the beast or the image of the beast by taking the mark of the beast on their hand or on their forehead... Um, they will be uh, beheaded. Okay? That is the, what, what we call the abomination of desolation. And it is a big deal. And for the rest of the time, I'm just going to call it the AOD. I think we will. It is my personal opinion we will be here for all of this. Yes. What? It's the Greek guy. I'm telling you, it's him. There have been so many people that looked like him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In the middle of this, this is in the middle of the 70th week, the treaty with Israel will be broken. The, The Antichrist will commit the abomination of desolation. Okay, he will perform abominations, it says. On the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate. The one who makes desolate, that is that is one of the names of the Antichrist. Okay? Even until a complete destruction 
One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. The wrath of God will be poured out on him in his kingdom. Complete destruction set loose by his abomination. This is in the middle of the 70th week. Yeah. So it doesn't like say that I will burn the right? No. There will be a church on the earth. The question is, is it the church that's gotten saved after the rapture took place? Or is it the church that is still here because the rapture has not taken place yet? I know, and there are a lot of people that believe it. But if you study the scripture, you have to try really hard to fit that into what the scripture actually says. You have to do a lot of scripture bending to make it happen. I'm serious, you do. And that's not one of the powers the avatar has. Scripture bending. Anybody? (laughs) (laughs) If it were a pre-tribulation rapture, then the church that got saved post-rapture would not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them? That's not true. No, I'm just asking. Is it? Is that? When no, they God, would have the Holy Spirit. Is that when God, when does God like? He doesn't. Spirit? Okay. That's not in the Bible anywhere. Okay. There's a lot no of pre-tribulation. There's there's a lot of pre-tribulation rapture preachers that preach that that the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth because the church is being removed from the earth, but that's just not in the Bible. It's just not. Even if there is a pre-tribulation rapture, the Holy Spirit will still be here and at work in uh, in the midst of the Christians that are here. Because there will be people here getting saved. And that can't happen without the Holy Spirit. So, the truth is, the Bible declares that the greatest revival in the history of the world will be taking place during the 70th week of Daniel. That makes sense, because everyone who sat in a class like this and then fell away from God and chose not to believe is going to go... Shoot, every single thing yeah, is absolutely. coming true. They're going to be watching as the prophetic church stands oh, up and good. says, that man is Antichrist. The whole rest of the world is going to be bowing down at his feet going, you're amazing, we love you. The prophetic church is going to stand up and say, he's a demon. Okay? And everybody's going to go, you Christians, we hate you. How on earth could you say this lover, bringer of peace and prosperity how could you say how could you say that he is an antichrist you foolish ridiculous christians we're so sick of you and they're going to begin killing us on mass okay because they're going to hate us because we're going to be saying the christian church those who don't follow away and start and start following antichrist we're getting what your mother's creeping my mother's creeping. Hi, mom. We're talking about Antichrist, so I get that. I do. They're going to hate our guts. They're going to hate our guts. Because we're going to be saying the person they think is the best person in the world, we're going to be saying he's the son of the devil. And, and, They're not going to believe it. They're going to be like, you have been praying for the peace of Jerusalem forever. And now you say he's the, that the one who brings the peace of Jerusalem is antichrist. You are crazy. Yeah. I think a lot of us think that G that, that the antichrist is going to have like a name badge on that says antichrist. It's not true. He is going to have the whole world fooled and not just the world. Listen, he's going to have the whole world fooled and not just the world. Much of those who would call themselves Christians will be fooled by the Antichrist. The Bible says that the love of many will grow cold, but we're going to get there in a minute. 
Okay, that's the abomination which causes desolation. Go to the next slide. I don't remember what it is. Oh yeah, here's a picture of it. Yes. You like this? I think this is kind of cool, actually. It's cool. That is, this is Antichrist. This is the false prophet here, which we'll talk about later. And this is the image that's being given the power to speak. And it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, after seeing this picture, like, the first thing that came to my head was, you remember that Doctor Who episode with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. the last human yes. stretched across? Yeah. Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like as the, the beast. <laughs> no. No. No, no, the last human. The last human was just a flap of skin with a face on it. I'm so thin. Moisturize me. Moisturize me, moisturize me. I don't think the Antichrist will look like that. I don't think so either. It's... <laughs> right? All right, let's go to Matthew 24. All right. All right, moving on to Matthew. Matthew 24, we made it to the New Testament, everybody. Woo! Hallelujah. All right, let's see if I can find it. Matthew 24, here we go. Okay, here's the story. Jesus is st- sitting on this, the Mount of Olives. And, and or Jesus is walking through Jerusalem. Okay, this is... And, and, and they're kind of, the disciples are going, look at these huge, these big, gigantic uh, foundation stones of the temple. Isn't that amazing, Jesus? And Jesus looks at him and says, every one of these rocks, every one of these stones will be, will, uh, will be displaced off the other. Not one will be, will be left. And they're like, what? And he, and, and he said, I tell you the truth, not one will be left. And then in verse 3, they've, they've processed on up and they're sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples come to him privately, and they're like, hey, Jesus, so uh, tell us when all this is going to go down. Exclusive. Right? Yeah. I mean, they, they did this all the time, where he, Jesus would tell a parable, and everybody's sitting there going, uh. And then, like, the disciples would grab him on the walk back to wherever they're going, like, so uh, what did that parable mean? You know, <laughs> well, we don't really know. Jesus, Jesus is like, okay, this is the, the sower is me and the seed is the word of God. Okay. That Jesus used to do that all the time. Tell us when will these things happen? Okay. So there's three questions. Go ahead. And, okay. Three questions. I don't know why I wrote that twice. Okay. Now go back to the three questions because apparently I didn't write them down. Okay. <laughs> Here are the three questions. Number one, when will these things happen? Okay, and when they when they're asking that, they're asking about the destruction of the temple that he mentioned in verse one and two. Number two, the second question: What will be the sign of your coming? And number three, and what is the sign of the end of the age? Okay, those are the three questions that Jesus is answering in Matthew twenty-four. Now, we need to be able to pay attention to which question he's answering when, because if we don't, we won't, um, we, we won't be able to interpret this correctly, okay? So Jesus starts with uh, a, a warning. He says, see to it that none of you, I'm trying to get ahead to, in the Prezi to where we are at so I know what's coming next. Okay, Matthew 24. 
All right. See to it, he says, that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. That is, he's specifically talking about Antichrist. He's talking about everybody that comes in his name saying he's the Christ, but specifically Antichrist. It's a warning from the Lord to be mindful, to be watchful. There will be false prophets and false Christs who will mislead people. He says they will mislead many. Many. Jesus doesn't mean few. He means many. The Antichrist is the greatest of these, but he's not. He's only the first. He's not the only. Or he's not the first. He's just I mean, the most I've important. Seen, seen the yes. Okay, verse 6. Go to the next slide. Verse 6. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. So he's going, look, there's lots of bad stuff that's going to go down. Okay, understand. False Christs are going to come. Bad things are going to happen. Wars and rumors of wars. In the verse, next verse, he says, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there'll be famines and earthquakes. But all these are merely the beginning of birth pains. He said, these things are going to happen. But there's still lots. This is just the beginning. I don't want you to freak out. The end is not here yet. Just when, just because it's a big earthquake doesn't mean that I that you missed the rapture. Okay, it's all right. Relax, guys. Yes, it is coming. These signs are, uh, have been happening since the time of Jesus. Don't freak out. They they are pointing to the end, but they are not the end yet. It may mean that there, and, and I think it also means that as these things begin to happen. Pay attention to them because they're just a hint of how bad it's going to be. If you think the earthquake in Nepal was bad, wait for the wrath of the Lamb earthquake, which is coming. Okay. If you think that the uh, the the like, you know, the flood in Texas is bad, wait for the kind of things that are going to take place in uh, in in the end times. All these they're just the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains, if you know how they go. They're not so bad at the beginning. You know, a lot of women are like, you know, if this is all it is, I can kind of handle it. But once they get to the transition point where baby begins to move, uh, that's when things get really hard. And that's when moms begin to say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. Birth pains, birth pains get worse. They don't get better until the birth has actually happened. There's lots of stuff that's going to go down. Relax. It's just the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9. They will deliver you into tribulation and kill you. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. They will deliver you into tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of me. This was happening only a few years after Jesus' death. This was already happening. Okay. It's happening more now than ever. More Christians will die for their faith this year than in any year in history. Aren't you glad you live in America? But don't hold your breath. It's coming here soon. So does that go under the sign, like any of the questions? This is Jesus. No, this is all preamble. Okay. And the Antichrist, beginning with the abomination which causes desolation, the AOD, will be 
conducting the wholesale slaughter of Christians for three and a half years, and will be allowed to do it without anybody stopping it. Verse 10, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. Listen to those words. I wrote it. The love of many will grow cold is what it says in the English Standard Version. The New American Standard says most people's love will grow cold. I want you to look around the room and I want you to kind of get an idea of what most of the people in this room qualifies for you. Is that these two tables are fine, but the rest of them, that's most? Okay, it means more than 50%. And Jesus is saying the love of most, the love of most. The love of more than 50% of those who have called me their Savior will grow cold in those days. You hear that? And it starts heating up. My question to you, and one of the primary reasons I want us to study the end times, is are you going to be a part of the most? Are you going to grow cold? And the minute you say, no, I will not, you're in really big trouble. This should make you say, boy, I hope not. Lord, help, 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 help. I don't want to be one of them. I don't want to be one of the 50 plus percent who walk away from Jesus in the end times. I do not want to be one of them. I'm telling you, if you think being a Christian is hard now, wait until they're lopping people's heads off. Okay, you don't have any clue. Once we get to the abomination which causes desolation, you're going to have to worship the beast and take his mark on your hand or your forehead or you will not be able to buy or sell anything. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go to the gas to, to the gas station. You can't buy or sell anything. Nothing. Do you understand? Not only that, the great delusion, the power of Antichrist that he has given by Satan to convince the world of who he is, that he is the savior of mankind, it will be ravaging the planet. And people who were very, very staunch and knew the truth will turn, they will walk, and they will worship him. And once you take that mark, it is over. You do not get to go back. This statement is scary. I want you to be scared by it. I want you to be rattled by it. I want it to mess with you. I want you to wake up in the middle of the night and say, well, am I going to grow cold? I want this to haunt you. It haunts me. Verse 13, Jesus says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Go to the next one, Brandon. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world is a testimony to all the nations, and then the end shall come. 
then. Okay. All of that was really kind of just preamble. All of that was just Jesus saying, look, I'm not going to give you an exact time. You just need to be really careful. You need to be watching. You need to be careful. Then he says, therefore, this is verse 15. When you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet. Okay, go to the next one. When you see the abomination of desolation, when the AOD comes down, okay, which is spoken of by Daniel, he says, look to Daniel. When you see, let me ask you a question. Who was standing in the crowd? Who was it that asked Jesus these three questions? Were they unbelieving Jews? No. Who were they? They were followers of Jesus. Now, if we are going to be magically raptured before any of this happens, why would Jesus tell his followers when you see the abomination which causes desolation? Now, he's either talking to his followers because we're all still going to be here, or he's talking to his followers because people are going to get saved during the tribulation. Okay? But pay attention. When you see that which is spoken of the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever's on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are, out, that are in his house. Whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Okay, this verse, he says, Jesus is like, run! When you see this happen, run! Run, run, run! Because the persecution is coming unlike anything we have ever seen. More Christians will lose their lives during those days than at any point in history. Run! Don't stick around. Don't wait. Don't, oh, isn't it a pretty day? I'm just going to take my time. Don't do it. Don't even go back to get your coat. Run, 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 run. And the reason he says children will be, uh, uh, the reason he says that Woe to those who are pregnant and nursing babies in those days. It's because it's going to be hard to carry a kid and run at the same time. That's not going to be easy to do. Okay, The children will be a burden to your flight, as, you would, as would bad weather or the travel constrictions of the Sabbath. That's why he said, pray it's not in the winter or on the Sabbath, because winter was bad weather, and the Sabbath they were only allowed to walk like less than a mile. Run. For then there will be great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Run, Jesus said. Run. Just go to the next one. Because um, AOD is coming. That's just what we're looking at there. Just leave it there for a second. Okay. 
I hear Daniel in these words. I said, Daniel 12, 1. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Unless those, listen to this. Jesus says in verse 22, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Did you hear that? Jesus says, if, if, I didn't, if I don't come back and stop this from happening, everyone on the earth would die. But for the sake of the elect, I am going to return and rapture my church. That's the ugliness of sin, people. And that's the holiness of God. This is the truth of God's esteem for his own worth. He is worthy of the end of all life. But he's merciful, so he's going to cut it short. If he had let the abomination of desolation continue, the entire world would just be a burned out hulk. But he's going to come back before that happens. 23, therefore, if anyone says to you, behold, here's the Christ. We're still, we're still on this side. Behold, here's the Christ, or there he is. Do not believe him, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. Just because there's miracles, that doesn't mean it's Jesus. That's especially true in the end times, people. That is especially true in the end times. The Antichrist will do unbelievable signs and wonders, and so will those who speak for him. Behold, I have told you in advance... So if they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. All right. Just as the lightning flashes from the east and goes all the way to the west. How many of you have seen Left Behind? Okay. Pay attention to this. Was there anything that the whole world saw other than the disappearing of the people from the world? In that movie. The, a lot of them seem to support the concept of the entire body being taken. And from what I understand, there'd be no need to even take the body or just the soul. Mass death? No. The rapture is the the rapture is the first resurrection. Our bodies will go. Our whole bodies will go. Yes. Okay. You need to understand that we will have physical bodies in the forever. Yeah. We are meant to be physical beings. That's we are meant to be physical beings. Just understand that. Okay? And and we will have physical bodies at the rapture when it does happen, whether it's the beginning or the end or both. Because even people that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture have to believe in another rapture at the second coming. That's why I like to call them two rapture people. Because most, most people who believe in pre-tribulation rapture don't believe in two raptures. Well, or they don't understand that they do. But there will definitely be a rapture when Jesus comes. I think that's the only one there will be. Some people think there will be another one before it. Yeah. Well, if there's supposed to be bodies, then what about the people who are going to What do you mean? God created your body from a tiny little cell that you couldn't even see. Do you think he's going to have trouble rebuilding your body? Well, no, I just, yeah, like I just, what? It doesn't matter. It's like, am I going to see my dad? 
Just, just a cloud of ashes. Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter if you're cremated. Doesn't matter if you drown. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus will be able to recreate your entire body, and you will be fine. It's going to be okay. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Jesus never, there's nowhere in the Bible that it says don't burn, don't cremate the dead or anything. If, if that mattered, okay, they would have told us. It, it doesn't say that anywhere. <laughs> yes, we are. I've always, I've always thought that uh, I was at Arlington National Cemetery last week, and I was thinking, this is going to be a dangerous place in the rapture. There's 250,000 people buried there. They'd be like, ah, ah, ah! <laughs> Shooting up out of the ground. <laughs> I might get killed in the midst of the rapture. <laughs> people are driving. Ah! <laughs> All right. Okay, Revelation 1, 7 says, every eye will see him. They will see the Son of Man coming, Luke says in, 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 cha- in chapter 21, verse 27 of Luke, Jesus said that. Does this sound like left behind to you? So the, there's either two explanations. Number one, this isn't the rapture, but the second coming Jesus is talking about, and that there is another rapture, and that the rapture is something else, that he's not talking about the rapture right now. But this sure sounds like the rapture to me, okay? Or there isn't a secret rapture, just one at the end when Jesus comes and every eye will see him. Then he says, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Wherever the corpse is, this is a direct allusion to the death that will occur as he comes to the battle we know as Armageddon. Jesus is not coming directly to Jerusalem to reign. Jesus is coming to begin a military campaign through Jordan all the way up to Jerusalem, and he's going to be slaughtering the Antichrist armies himself the whole way. I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. It just says that Jesus is going to be doing the killing. Okay, then, verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will seethe. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. Hello? The trumpet sound, does that sound like the rapture to you? It sounds like it to me. Okay, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. This, if Jesus is talking about the rapture here, he's not talking about a secret thing that people are going to be going, well, it just happened. They're going to be going, look at the Jewish guy, you know, <laughs> in the sky, here he comes. And he's going to be gathering his people up into the sky. Yes. I have a question. Okay, so it says in the Bible that God's going to come like a thief in the night. So, like, All right, that means he's unexpected. That doesn't mean he's not seen. Yeah, I don't get it, though. What if, okay, if I was not saved and I've seen a bunch of bodies going up and I knew about it, like, why would I not... Like, God, I'm sorry. Like, is it too late then? I mean, uh, no. Unless you've taken the mark of the beast. Which most of them will. Do you think God will ever, like, if someone takes the mark of the beast and then, like, ten minutes later is like, gosh, I really wish I didn't no. do this. For people to take the mark of the beast, <laughs> the their, their, their souls will have already been scorched. They won't have, they, the Lord would love to save them. He won't be able to. 
they will have so hardened their hearts that they will be unsavable. So yeah. It's not, that's not how it works. And we'll, we'll get, when we talk on Antichrist later, we'll get there. Yeah. All this stuff, like, people will notice it, No, it doesn't say Jesus' coming will happen in the twinkling of an eye. It says we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's another one that's been misinterpreted by too many pre-tribulation rapture people. Jesus' second coming will not be, will happen in the twinkling of an eye. In fact, as far as we can tell from scripture, it's going to take about a month. We'll get there. Trust me. We'll get there. <laughs> our transformation from what we are now to our resurrection bodies, that is what the Bible says happens in the twinkling of an eye. That. Okay. That's, that says, uh, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. That's what it says. Just a minute. This is the second coming of Jesus. My question is, is this the seventh trumpet in the book of Revelation, verse 11, chapter 11? I think it is. Many of the same things will happen. A trumpet sounded, an earthquake, etc. In the rapture, uh, the rapture will be in the twinkling of an eye, but there are days of the sounding of the seventh trumpet. A lot will happen as a part of the second coming. That's what I was trying to, that's what I was saying to you a minute ago. This is what leads many to separate the second coming and the rapture into two events. It may be that, or it may be that the rapture is instantaneous, but the second coming is a process. So we'll get sucked up off the earth and we'll get our resurrection bodies instantaneously. But Jesus actually making his way through the sky down to Jordan, all the way walking up through Jordan to Jerusalem, that's a process. The world's really big. That makes sense. Like if, if he wants everyone to see him, if he went that fast. Exactly. He'd have to go pretty slow, wouldn't he? Especially because the Bible says they will see him and they will mourn. So they will, be, they will know who he is. So he's going to have to move slow enough that they'll be able to see him and recognize who he is. Okay, and how fast is that? It's going to take a while. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll get back to you, Josh. Up here to, when Jesus says that we need to like run, is yeah. he like suggesting we go hide like on a like dead no run. place of the earth? Run. Or, run. Run. And just take ourselves off the complete face of the earth. Run. 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 Stop running. Go to Walmart. Now he's a, in here he says he says people that they should run to the mountains of Judea. <laughs> All right, relax everybody. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, okay. Shh. Josh, what did you need? Uh, so, get this like of my head. So like yeah, we're going to meet him in the air. There's a, there's a few reasons for that. And, and we'll really talk through this better when we get to Revelation and we get to the seventh trumpet. But every Christian who has ever lived and died will be with Jesus along with every angel in heaven. That's a lot of people. And there really isn't any place on the earth that we could all fit so we're just going to meet in the sky. It's just easier. <laughs> yeah. Their souls will meet their bodies right there with Jesus. Because they're coming with him out of heaven, but their bodies will meet their souls right there in the sky. Yes. What if their bodies were in Yeah. That's... I just told you, it doesn't matter. 
It really doesn't matter what state their bodies were in when they died. God knows how to take care of all of that. You don't have to worry about a thing. Yes, perfection. Immortal, imperishable. We read about that yesterday in, in Pastor's Prayer. Imperishable. Yeah. It'll be very obvious, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Oh, I, I believe so. Jesus did. The Bible says that we will have a body just like his. And Jesus flew, didn't he? At the end of the, what did he do? He's standing on the Mount of Olives, right? And and as he's talking, he just, right? Jesus, Jesus flew, we'll fly. Okay, let's back up. Let's go to the next slide. Next slide, buddy. <laughs> He's over there flying. Okay. Now learn the parable of the fig tree, Jesus says. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know the summer's near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Do you remember what they asked him? What was the first question? When will these things take place? What does Jesus say? This generation will not pass away until these things take place. He's answering their question. What he is talking about is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Okay? When will these things take place? He, he uses the exact same words that they used to him. When will these things take place? He says, these things will take place before this generation passes away. It happened 40 years after the death of Jesus. Not quite 40 years. The destruction of the temple. Remember Jesus said, not one stone will be left on another. He's saying right here, that's going to happen in the next 40 years-ish. Okay? Heaven and earth will not pass away, but my words... Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, as, as is true with most prophecy, okay... Let's back up just a minute. As is true with most prophecy, there may be a double meaning to this. The fig tree in the Bible is often a, a symbol of Israel. Learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know the summer is near. When the nation of Israel rises again and it is tender and puts forth leaves, you know he is near. When you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. We went 2,000 years without a nation of Israel. And in 1948, what happened? Watch the fig tree, Jesus says. Watch the fig tree. You follow? Here it is. Israel is a nation. Jerusalem is a nation. If we count, check this out. There's two definitions of generation in the Bible. Well, three, kind of, but more like two. Either 40 years or 80 years. Might be 60 years also. Either 40 years or 80 years. This generation will not pass away. 1948. What's 80 years after 1948? No. 
Are we 13 years from the second coming of Jesus? Nobody knows the time of the place. No one knows. They don't know, but Jesus made it pretty clear. I have a question. So you're trying to say that... No. I'm trying... No, I'm trying to... Jesus said they will not pass away. He said they will not pass away. Didn't say it would happen exactly 80 years after. What I'm saying is that whole generation will not be over. So it could happen any time between now and then. Now, if it doesn't happen by then, then that's not what this means. I'm just saying... Jesus made it clear when Israel is coming back, you need, I I am at the door. And that was in 1948. Okay. That was 60 years ago, almost. Wake up and pay attention, people. No, more than 60 years ago. I can't do my math. Um, What about the, I missed people for some extra years here. Oh, Jerusalem. In the capital. Yeah. Was to Maybe it was. Maybe it was. The fig tree has never been used as a symbol of Jerusalem. However, it's always used as a symbol of the nation of Israel. Heaven and earth will pass away. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Oh. So my question is, like, <laughs> my first level of that, because I know Jerusalem is a Jewish nation. They're always, like, fighting other people. So do you think, like, they'll have to have a time to peace? They will, three and a half years. So then, oh, so the Antichrist is going to cause this to be valid. Verse 36. And now, Jesus says that, but then he says, verse 36, but the day that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Do you, check this out. Okay, we're going to talk for a minute about us being the bride of Christ. Have we talked about this before? Yeah. Okay. When, when there was a marriage arrangement that happened between a young man and a woman, young woman in Jesus' time, the, the arrangement would happen, the ceremony that connected them would take place, but they would not live together until the wedding feast, okay? They would have the engagement ceremony. They would be betrothed to one another. The terms of the wedding would take place, okay? And that is what, that, that's, Jesus was doing the engagement ceremony when he did the Last Supper. I mean, like word for word, the engagement ceremony, okay? Terms of the engagement take place. And then the groom would go home And he would build a place on his dad's ranch, either connected to the house or separate from the house, but he would build a place on his parents' property that was going to be where they, the bride and groom, would live for the first year of their marriage. Bride and groom were not expected to work during the first year of their marriage. They were expected to make babies. Okay? And they would... So, so they would live in a bungalow, you know, a little love nest on the parent's property. But it was not up to the groom to decide when the love nest was ready. He would move back to his parents' house. He would build a little house there on the thing. And his dad would come by and look at the house that the groom was building. And his dad would say when it was ready. 
The groom never knew when his dad was going to say it was ready. The groom had no understanding of when it was going to be ready or what the dad expected. The dad would come through and either say, nope, not ready yet, or, or not say anything and just walk away. Can you imagine the tease that the dad would do? You know, he shows up and you're like, is this my wedding day? You know, I don't even know. Is this my wedding day? Am I going to get to go get my bride now? And, and he just walks through the house and kind of looks at you and goes, not yet, and walks away. <laughs> Can you imagine what that would be like? Okay, it's just like, ah! Then you got to do a few more things to it, and then Dad shows up again, looks around. This time he doesn't say anything. He just walks away. You're like, ah, you old man! <laughs> okay. And finally, who knows when? Finally, he comes, he looks around, walks up to his son and goes, go get her. Jesus said, that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the son, but the father alone. Jesus said to us, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I will come again and take you and we will be together. But he's waiting on daddy's approval. The wedding feast can't happen until the father gives the nod. Jesus said, I don't know. My dad's going to tell me when, my, when your house is ready. Is that exciting? I love it. Verse 37, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until, that, until the day that Noah entered the ark, but they did not understand the, until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in a field, and one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Okay. As in the days of Noah, Genesis 6-5 says this, And the Lord saw the wickedness of the man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord saw and was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he gr grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. The evil will continue to grow until it's just like it was in the days of Noah. That is how it is going to be. That is why I mentioned it as one of the signs of the times. The evil will continue to grow until it is like the days of Noah where the thoughts and intents of the heart of every man are evil all the day all day long every every thought of their of their heart but there will be some who find favor in the eyes of the Lord thank the Lord for as in those days they did not see or believe that judgment was coming check this out they did not see or believe that judgment was coming. Noah stood up and preached to them the whole time he was building the ark. God is sending the rain. He is going to kill you. He's sending the rain. He hates what's going on. And no one listened to him except his wife and his kids. God is sending the rain. 
And here they are standing there. I think of another Missy Edwards song. It's never rained before. It's never rained before. Because that's what they were saying. Can you imagine? What if you walked up to somebody that didn't believe in Jesus and you said, someday a Jewish man is going to appear in the sky and we're all going to get sucked off the earth and we're going to meet him there. And we're going to be dancing in the sky with brand new immortal bodies. And then he's going to come down and he's going to be king of the earth forever. People that aren't Christians are going to be like, going to be like, yeah, because that's happened before. <laughs> It's never rained before. It's never rained before. This doesn't happen. This can't happen. That's foolish. That's stupid. Why would you live a life dedicated to Jesus? Why would you give a year of your life to be slave labor for a year for some church somewhere? Why would you do that? This is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make sense, Noah. Why are you dragging all of this lumber up to this thing? Why are you banging hammers into this? You're building a boat in the middle of the land. It doesn't make any sense. Your water's gonna fall from the sky. Yeah, sure it is, right? That's what they were saying, right until the first drop hit him in the face. <laughs> oh, crap. oh crap, right? <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just joking, man. I didn't mean it. But God had already shut the door. As in the days of Noah, my friends, life is going to continue on. Everybody's going to think everything's hunky-dory. Jesus says that they're going to say, peace and safety, peace and safety. And that's exactly what they're going to be saying during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. They're going to be like, oh, this guy's awesome. And he's just a freer of mankind. And isn't it wonderful? And then the crap is going to hit the fan and everybody's going to be going, um... Yeah, maybe that Jesus thing was a good idea, right? I mean, they're just going to be... It's, it, understand, our world does not know that the end is coming. They do not believe the end is coming, but we do. And they're going to think we're weird, and they're going to think we're stupid because we're spending time preparing for the end. And they're like, oh, please, live and, you know, just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. It's not a big deal. Just relax. But that is not what's going on. It's not what's going on at all. Let's go a couple slides. I, I really missed a couple slides there. <laughs> Check this out. This is the, go ahead, one more. This is the scripture that prophesied the, the, the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land, shall a land or a nation be born in a day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. One minute there was no Israel. Then everybody signed the declaration in the UN and Israel's a nation again. First time in the history of the world of the nation that had died and been dead for thousands of years. All of a sudden resurrected. Who saw it coming? Nobody. And nobody still to this day can understand what on earth happened there. All of a sudden Israel's a nation again. What the heck did we do? God prophesied it way back thousands of years before in Isaiah 66. He said... Who, you know, who's ever heard of such a thing? Here it comes. Israel's a nation again. Watch the fig tree, my friends. Go ahead. Go to the... 1967, Jerusalem becomes a part of the thing. Jerusalem's once again the capital of Israel. Go ahead. I didn't even see that writing there. That's the beautiful. But no one knows the day or the hour. When does Jesus come again? I don't know. Uh... Okay, we're done with Matthew chapter 24. Question. Yes.